Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. We're here. We're back. It's time to talk about video games on the Nintendo Switch. (laughs) (laughs) Pokemon Unite is out. It's finally, the dream is here. Pokemon working together on teams of five against other teams of five to massacre Apoms in front of a live audience. (laughs) Do you remember when they announced this game? Yeah, I was actually, I wanted to bring that up because I think it's really worth, it's intrinsically linked to this game's existence forever. I think so too, yeah. (laughs) I think it was, it must have been last summer, but there was basically a series of Pokemon announcements. The Pokemon Twitter was like, we got like three days of announcements, basically. I, I believe it was spread over days, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think you're right. The first one was new Pokemon Snap. Pretty like big one to begin with. Right. And I remember the thought was like, if they're opening with this, then right. whatever is last is going to be huge. Keep in mind, this is pre uh, fourth gen remakes, pre Arceus Legends. Like none of that even was a whisper yet. Yeah, it was what was kind of wanted, but like it wasn't it wasn't confirmed yet. Right. The next day, I think, was Pokemon Cafe Mix or something like that. I think that, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Which was fine. Like we played it. It was, it was a fun time. But like, it's like, OK. All right. It's the middle announcement. It's like the weird one. What's the third one going to be? And then it was Pokemon Unite a Pokemon themed MOBA that I don't think anyone really wanted, at least like (laughs) in, in the circles I follow. It's just the announcement. It just felt bizarre. And I think what a lot of people kind of immediately pointed out was like, this announcement was not really for the U S at all. Like the Pokemon MOBA was specifically announced. I mean, worth noting the game is published by Tencent and I don't know if Pokemon is quite as popular in China as it is in Japan and the U S. Yeah. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe one of the intentions of this game was like to kind of spread the Pokemon uh, brand to other parts of the world that weren't as into it. Right. Um, yeah. And you can you can see that in a lot of the places where I, mean, I, I did a little bit of research about like the rollout of this game and the betas were rolled out in uh, Japan, China and Germany specifically. So they were like right. re- it was kind of like test beds just to see what the reaction would be like as much as it was like a server stress test. Um, yeah. And it went very well apparently. Yeah. I think the negative reaction, I mean, again, there is a section of the Pokemon fandom that will never be happy. But you know, when you have a bizarre announcement like this, they're going to be very angry. I think it was like the most disliked video on YouTube or something. Yeah, it was wild stuff. Yeah. Which I mean, look, we've talked about this on the show a bunch, but Pokemon is the highest grossing intellectual property of all time ever. Yeah. Uh, So like it was only a matter of time before they took that thing and slapped it into a MOBA, you know, like, right. MOBAs, kind of had their heyday and now we're like kind of in the strange like postmodernist take on MOBAs in a weird way. <laughs> uh, you know, we have League of Legends Wild Rift. Yeah. Uh, what, what's that? There's that first person one that's free everywhere. I think it's called Smite maybe. I, I might be wrong. And uh, and we have things like this uh, strangely enough, which is like you know, okay, we're just taking an IP, we're slapping it on like a, a, a kind of game that people understand. What I wasn't expecting going into this game was uh, I mean, A, just to say it up front I like it a lot. I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I do and B I wasn't expecting it to be such kind of like a radical uh rethinking of how these games work yeah it like you and I talked about uh Wild Rift recently League of Legends Wild Rift it's like the mobile version of League of Legends um that had been in the works for a really long time and was essentially uh that company's kind of take on making that kind of game more accessible both like being on the phone 
making the game shorter uh, and just kind of like simplifying the way it works even. Uh, and there's like a pretty lengthy tutorial to get you into it. It's like kind of everything that people like about League of Legends minus the toxicity because there's no voice chat. Uh, and, uh, you know, the games go by quick enough that you can just kind of hop in and hop out. You've been playing it a lot. You've been enjoying it. a Yeah, lot. I yeah. liked it enough. And I was like, I like the idea of a MOBA. I don't know if this is the one for me. Um, mm-hmm. And Pokemon Unite seems to like take a lot of the ethos of Wild Rift another step further, which I was kind of surprised by. Like they've really simplified it down to like some mechanics that aren't even really MOBA E. I mean, there's a lot of like slam dunking of basketballs and hoops, which I <laughs> fucking adore. I mean, this game is yeah. just like chaotic in so right. many ways. Uh, and it it works like it all has this very interesting cohesion of anarchy that I just really love. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree overall. I mean, I think like it's interesting to point out this era of MOBA, like you said, we're in the postmodernist uh, era of yeah. MOBAs because I think like MOBAs came out and for a long time have been like the esport game, and there's right. re- there hasn't really been any any entryway into that. When we talked about Wild Rift a few months ago, I mentioned like. I played Warcraft 3 as a 13-year-old when it came out yeah. and like wanted to learn how to play Dota and there was just no way even for an eager participant who was like <laughs> in his family's computer room glasses and braces ready to go there was no door open <laughs> I learned I learned this year a decade later uh that like in order to participate in <laughs> 2003 dota like before it was an official game it was you know the mod of warcraft 3 yeah you had to like download something to prove that you weren't a bot or that you like had played before yeah wild like there's no there was no way to know that and since then like I, before wild rift i had tried i picked up dota 2 on steam once and like yeah didn't really know what i was doing at all and there was no way i was gonna like chat up the team for advice <laughs> uh and league i just didn't like i actively didn't want to play it to be completely honest which is why i was Same so here. surprised yeah. i loved wild rift because i don't know i just like was really put off by it for some reason i mean there's a lot to be put off by to be honest but wild rift has been a joy i feel like it's getting a little bit eclipsed by guilty gear right now where it's like if i want to get in like a half hour of matches and something mm. i'll probably be playing guilty gear if you want to feel competitive at all that's the yeah, game. Yeah. But I, I think it's like, I don't really feel competitive with Wild Rift. It's just something I can do like when I wake up as I'm drinking some coffee. You know, yeah. it's like a nice, like quick, okay, I played something. And, you know, it's it's a pretty pleasant time. So if you want more thoughts on that, I, I forgot what the episode is called, but maybe we'll put it in the show notes. We have a whole episode where we like really talk about what Wild Rift does well. So that's really my point of reference in coming into Pokemon Unite. Honestly, I agree that Pokemon Unite has like simplified things a little bit more. That being said, I still very much prefer Wild Rift's tutorial because like Mm. I went into Wild Rift not knowing like anything other than like I level up and gain moves and like the way they (laughs) explain like how and when to attack a turret is like very esoteric stuff that felt very basic. Yeah. Whereas the tutorial here feels misleadingly simple, but there's actually way more going on that they don't tell you. I agree. They don't tell you why why is Ninetales a top row character and like it doesn't really seem to matter matter too at least from my experience dude maybe the onboarding ramp for pokemon unite should be play the tutorial for league of legends wild rift on your phone and then then (laughs) do the tutorial for pokemon unite that like true i didn't even think about that but i think a lot of the 
kind of broader ideas about how the game works really came from my understanding of Wild Rift. That's very yeah. interesting. I think you might be right there. If anything, that game primed me to like this one more. <laughs> so what I really like about Pokemon Unite is, I, I agree, overall I'm enjoying it. I don't know if I'm enjoying it as much as you, but I, I am enjoying it way more than I thought I would. Basically, the best thing about the game, in my opinion, is how they have like filtered a MOBA through a Pokemon lens. Yeah. And they've also taken some creative liberties in ways that I think really pay off. Like you mentioned the dunking, like in League and in Dota, you know, there are two like home bases and then there's a series of turrets that belong to that team. And then there's sort of like a neutral middle ground where there are like weird enemies you can fight to give your team a buff or whatever, very broadly speaking. Yeah. And pretty much every MOBA has operated like you slowly navigate a lane and attack like a row of NPC monsters to level up, and then you'll run into the other player and you'll have like some kind of battle in the in the midst of it. So like it's kind of interesting. It's like the team has their objectives and so does the other team. And then it's like, how do you interact in the middle? And that's where you can get very creative and stuff. Yeah. In Pokemon Unite, there's no like row of minions. So you kind of have to actually, like you do in Pokemon, like go into the grass and fight wild Pokemon to level up. In this case, in the level we played, the like mindless drone that you level up off of is Apom, which really breaks my heart. It would break my heart. Yeah. For any Pokemon, but Apom feels like especially like why him? Like why not Magikarp or something? You know why? Yeah, Apom? I mean the options are like there's Apom, there's uh, I I don't know all of their names uh, off the top of my head, but uh, there's that one. There's like the crawfish looking guy. Um, yeah, and then in the if you do quick matches, there's another map that you can go to, and instead of Apom, it's like the little like Scotty dog, which oh, is like no. maybe even sadder. Yeah, yeah, it's that's so too brutal. Bad. I yeah. look even if you have no intention of playing this game, dear listener, I highly, highly, highly recommend going on YouTube and watching the opening cinematic because it is like <laughs> the most fucking violent, like directed by Quentin Tarantino shit I've ever seen <laughs> using the Pokemon license. It, it's just like Lucario jump like DBZ, like, you know, teleport jumping out of the grass and like real like elbow to face to a scotty dog and it's brutal and it just yeah. happens over even pikachu is like oh my god like it, it like changed <laughs> the way i see pikachu as a character like you know the, the herald of this ip just like being brutally brutally violent in ways that i honestly are imaginative and that's almost yeah. the other like side of it is like who, whoever directed that entire cinematic like they really thought about just the most hardcore shit they could make pikachu do to like a little like smiling purple monkey <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's there's a lot to explore there thematically and and like emotionally. Yeah. Um but I think what's cool is that so whenever you like defeat an Apom in in a style of your choice, uh <laughs> you gain experience, you level up, you gain new abilities just like you would in a MOBA. But yeah. I think the really cool twist that like I think really works and makes this game feel really unique is that rather than like just leveling up to then destroy turrets and then eventually destroy the nexus or the home base. You're just getting a series of points that you then like literally dunk in the enemy base. Right. It's sort of this like management of like, okay, how many points can I get? Do I want to hold on to a lot and then score? Because if you die, you lose like half your points when yeah, you respawn. Right. So right, the more points you're holding on to, the more of a target you become for enemies. Because you know, if you're holding thirty points on you and you haven't dunked them yet, the other team's gonna want to kick your ass. Uh, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I guess just like 
broadly speaking, the way it works is instead of turrets, there are basketball hoops uh, and the basketball hoops have health, just like the turrets would in, in other MOBAs that you've played before. Um, so if you have 30 points and you dunk on that hoop, uh, there's generally like I think it's 80 to 100 points, depending on which hoop you're scoring in. You know, that that, that those are like HP, I guess, for those hoops. So once you've lowered that number all the way, that hoop is gone. And then you have to travel further with those points to score later, which also creates this kind of like give and take of, uh, you know, risk reward, I guess, in a way we're like, okay, do I actually want to run these 30 or 50 points like all the way to the other side of the map? Or do I want to like go try and take out a closer turret that maybe has, you know, less capacity for health or whatever, uh, which is interesting. I mean, that that adds like a whole different layer of of strategy to the game. And honestly, that I'm able to wrap my head around much easier than I am playing something like Wild Rift, which I think is maybe, I don't know, they're both easy in their own ways. Like, I mean, Wild Rift is literally just like, go hit a turret and it has health and then it goes poof. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, right. like <laughs> I, I understand how that works. But in the moment, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. The turret's trying to kill me. I'm trying to kill the turret. I'm also yeah. getting attacked by like a bunch of other enemies, uh, you know, on the other team and stuff. And with Pokemon Unite, it's like, no, no, no. Okay, I'm playing the objective. That's what I'm doing. And I'm trying to really not get into fights unless I really need to. And like that feels very natural to me. And I think that just kind of is how I would like the MOBA genre to evolve, I guess, if I if I was to like Well, put honestly, a pin that's on it. that's kind of how you should be playing. I think the biggest pitfall early on is like getting too wrapped up in the fights that yeah. like if you're focusing on what you need to be doing in your lane, like you're going to operate better as a team. Yeah, I'm sorry, just to be clear, I just mean like I like that different games are now taking different approaches to MOBAs oh, in a I way. Oh, I see, I see. Where gotcha, like, gotcha. you know, this kind of being like a oh yeah, you collect points then you like dunk him in a hoop. Like that's a that's a cool take on MOBAs. Absolutely. Like yeah. I could I could see some other company slapping their own IP on a MOBA and having a completely different take that like maybe that's for some people. But I think, you know, for a long time, a lot of the MOBAs that popped up, like Heroes of the Storm comes to mind, where like I remember Heroes of the Storm coming out. It was like peak league, peak Dota 2, and Heroes of the Storm dropped, and everyone was like, Really like this is just the same. Like this is like yeah, the same right. thing again. Like you're not doing anything really new. You can just be Tracer. Like that's not really <laughs> like that's not really the thing. And I, and I appreciate Pokemon Unite, like kind of going that extra mile, and, you know, OK, we've removed one lane from the middle. We have this like basketball thing. Like, it's very silly. And I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, because I think it could have easily been this is League, but you are Pikachu, which right. like it mostly is. But there's just enough tweaks that it still works. That probably would have still been successful, to be clear. Right. You know, like they, they did go yeah. like an extra step past what they needed to do. And that's yeah. kind of what I appreciate. I mean, and, we, we haven't gotten into the monetization stuff. That's where the game is. Is like a fucking yeah. nightmare. We'll, we'll it's where like I, you know, we've been very effusive about it up until this point. But like, you know, hard point on this. This is why I probably like won't recommend it to people. It's like it's yeah. as predatory as possible. While we're in the positive zone, yeah, okay. our, our side of the map, outside of the speed flux, I did want to bring up. It is like as as simple as possible. It's just fun to play as various Pokemon. It's oh, very yeah. fun to like literally play as a Pokemon that has never received any like significant. <laughs> You know, no poster, no show. They might have been like got their ass kicked in the background of, of the beginning of a movie <laughs> like Krussel. Krussel you know, yeah. just, like playing as Krussel is just amazing. I've been really enjoying playing as a low end Ninetales who's like all kind of icy and cool. Yeah. Although it seems like a lot of thought has gone into like how the Pokemon play. I will say the balance is is just silly. Like <laughs> I don't have a full understanding of the game yet. I've only played like a handful of matches, but like there are some Pokemon that seem like way again Gengar 
Cramorant. Yeah. Uh, I think Garchomp, too, like, feel really busted. Yeah, Gen- Gengar is one of those. So the, the way the game works is when you start, if you if you pick Gengar, for example, as the Pokemon you're going to play as, you start as Ghastly, and then you have to, like, kill enough A-bombs to get enough experience <laughs> to level up to, you know, eventually become Haunter, and then same deal until you become Gengar. And with each of those stages, you get different moves that you can unlock, and, you know, whatever, whatever. They have different stats and abilities and stuff. And, like... The thing with Gengar is that Ghastly is like brutal immediately. Like Ghastly yeah. is like great in the early game and then in the mid game is like still great as Haunter and then in the end game is like destructive as Gengar. Garchomp at least when you start as I think Gibble is the name of like the first yeah, form of that. There's so. three yeah. forms there. Gibble is just like as I don't know, like a plushie, you know, like Gibble yeah. just dies immediately. Gibble dies in one hit. But, you know, if you go and kill a Gibble enough times when they're a guard chomp, they're going to come kick your ass, Uh, which is, I, I think, fun. I think that's like a fun kind of balance thing. Yeah, I would love to see how Gyarados functions if that's. Ever... I was thinking, that's the thing. That's the thing I keep thinking about. Like my, my imagination just goes like wild thinking about what Pokemon they can add to this because. Yeah, I mean, the addition of Cramorant in this game as like. <laughs> A launch day Pokemon. This is a yeah. this is a Pokemon that is just known for eating fish and spitting them at people. What like stroke of genius shit? You know, yeah. like the kind of thing again where like they're just going the extra mile. It's not all the ones you expect. Like Machamp is in this game. You know, like they have the more uh they have the more humanoid. Um, yeah humanoid looking Pokemon. But picking things like Crustle and 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 uh, Cramorant are like shocking picks that I just yeah. really really appreciate, and it really opens the field to just kind of whatever. Like that you could right. pick, you could do Clef Key. You know, you could just be a keychain <laughs> and like maybe kick ass in this game. I have no idea what's coming next. There's no one from Gen Two in here yet, and I'm very excited oh. to see who they pick. Yeah, once there's like a Gen Two season event, I'm in. Yeah, you know, yeah. like. It, again, it's it's it, it could be really exciting, and there's like you know skins you can get. Like there there was a uh, Venusaur with like scuba goggles, and I'm like, God damn it! I can see my twenty dollars just evaporating. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I guess just to touch on the monetization, like honestly, I think you and I kind of know what to expect with a lot of free games. Like um, there's going to be five different currencies. There's going to be yeah. like a million menus. Like Wild Rift has all that. But it's such a good presentation, you kind of forget. Yeah. And the thing with Wild Rift, I've been playing it a while now, and I have like I probably spent like twenty bucks on it at this point. Mm. I've been playing it so much, I'm like, yeah, whatever. You got me, okay? Yeah. But it's all skins. Like, there's no, there's no money to be spent that will increase your odds of winning, other than arguably unlocking heroes. But like, you do that so rapidly anyway. And like, I, I guess I, I'm sure that there are some heroes considered stronger than others. But like, you still have to learn how to play them. Like you're not, yes. you know, you're not, yeah, you're not just going to hop in with a new hero that you bought and be, and that's the reason that you're winning. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and you know, I, I found in that game, like you unlock heroes fast enough that that's not really something you will likely spend your money on. Yeah. It's also worth noting just to kind of point out how ridiculous this is. So, you know, all those things are monetized skins, buying Pokemon. If you want to get Mr. Mime right away, it could spend $8. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. all there. And that's like, you know, again, this, this is all. You can criticize all of this, but I think what really is kind of reprehensible is that in all MOBAs, or at least in the ones I've played, Wild Rift, you, uh, as you play the game, your character levels up, gets abilities. Another progression for your character that is happening alongside you leveling up and getting abilities is as you defeat enemies, you get gold and you spend that gold to buy equipment for your character. So like In match, in the match specifically, yeah. In the match. So uh, a trickier, and that's actually 
actually, that is the part of League and Dota that has always felt the most esoteric. Like, what do I get? When do I get it? And why is like so like you have to like devote like a part time job amount of time to understanding that. And that's one of the best things about Wild Rift is that they just eliminated that need. Like there's preloaded weapon sets that like whenever you have enough gold, it just pops up on the screen. And you say, I want that. Yeah, it's just like recommended paths. Yeah, which is amazing. So like once you kind of get a better sense of the game, you might go in and, and change some things around. But like it's all there from go and it's part of the game. It's part of the match in Pokemon Unite. Uh, every Pokemon has three held item slots. You start off with one and you get more the more your trainer level goes up, which is kind of weird. But then like one item is like leftovers where like uh, your health will gradually restore out of combat. Another one, you know, all like passive buffs like that. And those items you can also upgrade. Uh, and, you know, all of that is monetized. Right. So like you could just straight up buy the currency you need to upgrade those items. So like you could buy the you could get the game right now, spend a hundred dollars on all of those. I think they're called upgrade chips and then make your leftovers like leftovers level five or whatever. And suddenly you're like healing half your health every time you're out of combat, which is like a huge, yeah. huge advantage. That's like it's actually yeah. changing the way you interact with the game in a big way and and like gives you a higher rate of survivability and stuff and if you multiply that by the three held items that you can have so you could have leftovers you could have like one that boosts your special attack and one that boosts your like regular attack um and level those up all the way and like you're indestructible you know um yeah and that's very much not okay i mean like if there's a reason that i'm gonna stop playing this game it'll probably be you know going up against whales who have been like you know grifted essentially into upgrading their shit all the way right and like don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to become a pro Pokemon Unite player, like, <laughs> but it really does throw like a wet towel over the entire game that that exists. Yeah. And it's like a very known thing. And it just, it just, because I think with Wild Rift, again, I, I can't believe I'm highlighting Riot Games as an example of how to do monetization, but here we are. <laughs> uh, I, I think with that game, it's like, I didn't expect to get into it. And then I did. And again, I'm nowhere near, like, I don't want to, it's a very casual experience for me, Yeah, but I enjoy learning and getting into matches and seeing like where it goes and that opportunity has basically been eliminated in pokemon unite because of this yeah which is like a bummer like i think i would still recommend checking it out it's a really fun game it's free and this is probably the best time to play it because everyone's just sort of i was just gonna say that yeah so you know unless they change that i think there's gonna be a jump off point which is unfortunate but you know i think that there's still a lot of interesting ideas here and again like you can play a slow bro and surf around like it's great but you know it just feels it leaves a bad taste in my mouth knowing that that exists and and don't get me wrong plenty to critique about wild rift i don't want to act like i'm <laughs> being like thank god for wild rift there's a lot of shit in that game you can rightfully rip apart and do it i encourage you to but like you know in in comparing two free-to-play mobas by the same company uh you know the other one at least is in a pay-to-win structure so yeah yeah exactly yeah low that, bar but it, it's a really it's a really wonderful game that's being hampered by that i mean because again i mean they they just took those extra steps to like make it great you know right um, in right. so many different ways and and the fact that it's so easy to see the trajectory of where this is gonna where the wall exists is like such a bummer like as soon as you start playing ranked mode you know and you get past the point where it's like people who know how to press buttons and people who know how to play mobas and then you're in the next tier like you're probably going up against people who are dropping money on upgrade chips and stuff and like actually changing their odds of winning 
which sucks. But you can play as Cramorant, so, you know, it's good for now. <laughs> good for now is, I think, the perfect recommendation for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm just so excited to see who they're adding. So there, I, I think there are, there are a couple known additions that are coming. They're adding uh, Blastoise and I think Gardevoir and Clefable. Uh, oh, fun. Are the next three. And then who knows what's happening after that, uh, which that that's that's where I open up the doors into like, I don't know, put Waluigi in here if you're not going to put him in Smash. Or <laughs> you know? The only human in Pokemon Unite. <laughs> Ew, imagine catching Waluigi. <laughs> I'm fine inside here. It's cozy. Yeah, I feel like he wouldn't want to come out of the, the Pokeball. Yeah, he's he's perfectly content. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds like the end of the segment. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a, a cup of coffee and like I instantly needed another one after <laughs> Catching Waluigi. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I brought that into existence. No, no, no. It's not your fault. It's just where okay. my brain goes always, you know? <laughs> I don't blame you. I could be doing anything. Yeah. I was watching Gossip Girl right before this. They rebooted Gossip Girl on HBO Max. I just kept thinking to myself, like, what if Waluigi was in this? <laughs> XOXO. <laughs> Fuck this. All right. See ya. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Hi, Steven. Hi. I hear you got updates for me and the listener. Yeah, I just want to talk about Skyward Sword again. <laughs> Go for uh, it. I so there are a bunch of games that came out this week. Pokemon Unite being one yeah. of them. That's that's like the other one I played. Uh, you, you and I checked out uh, Chris Tales briefly, which I don't think we're going to talk about. We checked out Death's Door, uh, which you played way more of than I did, uh, which we are going to talk about later. But the I, I I just keep going back to Skyward Sword HD, which I'm like really surprised by because we've talked about this before, but there's generally like the podcast curse, which is like you and I will check out a game and we'll talk about it on the show. And then it, that's it. You know, it's like we just put it down like, OK, we move on to the next thing. And I kind of expected that to happen with Skyward Sword, knowing that I didn't finish it the first time and whatever. But I've I've really, really come around on this game. I think uh, I'm enjoying it way more than I thought I was going to. And I just kind of wanted to like highlight that because there's so there are so many marks against it. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing for me truly is that I have like fully sworn off the motion controls. Uh, Interesting. I, I have found that the time I've spent with the game kind of learning how the button controls work, I've realized that the trade-offs are very worth it for me to just sit there and play with a pro controller. It feels so good after, I don't know, I'm like 15 or 20 hours in at this point. Uh, I just like, I can't stop playing it. And it's like, I could either have the motion controls and need to constantly be recalibrating and like have some of the, you know, swipes and stabs and whatever, like misregister or whatever. Or I can just hold down the L button if I want to turn the camera sometimes. And like th those are like the two trade offs. There is like sometimes the game doesn't work or sometimes I have to press another button. <laughs> and like I'd rather just press another button, I think is kind of where I landed on it. Yeah. And I think when I when I realized that I wasn't thinking about the motion or sorry about the button controls anymore and about the strange layout, I just started like loving the experience of being in this version of Hyrule. You know, I, I, I spoke a lot last week about the art direction and, and the ways in which they've changed the impressionistic vibe of the game um, and, you know, like how that worked maybe better on CRTs and whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, the game is still beautiful uh and the yeah, music totally. is is incredible and i really 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 love 
like every Gruce? character oh. in this game. Yeah, Groose included. Um, <laughs> I, re- I like I love talking to people. I, I've spent yeah, so yeah. much time, more time than I would think. I mean, I'm not like that far in the game. I'm just at, about at the end of the third temple, which is like, I guess, the first half ish of the game, because then you kind of go and do everything again. And I've spent so much of that time just flying around Skyloft to like all the little islands that exist kind of like in in the uh, periphery of that town and just visiting people and just talking to them and like doing little side quests and stuff. Have you have you started any like gratitude crystal quests? No, man, I I, I don't think this will be a podcast curse game, but I have not played it since we talked about it just because I've been yeah. trying to actually undo the curse. And <laughs> I mean, I, I think like there's there's definitely a bracket of games where we feel like, OK, that was for the show i'm content in moving on but for whatever reason a lot of the games we've talked about like recently i felt compelled to finish yeah so i've been trying to finish chicory i'm like near the end of that i just recently finished kasane's story and scarlet nexus more on that soon yeah and uh i'm also uh probably gonna try to finish death store as well i'm like a quarter done with it so um but anyway i do want to go back i i really I, I think the first time I played, I got to around the same point of having to revisit everything, but it's a little bit foggy at a certain point. Yeah, I have. I have. It's been kind of surprising to, I guess, see how much stuff I've forgotten about this game. Like the Gratitude yeah. Crystal side quests, I had I had completely forgotten. I had no idea that that was a thing. But essentially, the way it works is uh, at a certain point, you'll unlock a side quest um, that will lead you to a character who I don't want to spoil in case you've forgotten who they are. <laughs> Uh, who kind of sets you on this path uh, to collect these things called gratitude crystals, which is literally like just going around and helping the people of Skyloft uh, in like very kind of menial ways. It's like, you know, you go to uh, this this one restaurant that sells pumpkin soup and you have to like deliver pumpkin soup. It's very much like the Spider-Man 2 pizza delivery quests, uh, but you know, <laughs> with, with like the bird essentially flying around Skyloft. Yeah. And it's so fun. It's so fun. It's so nice. Uh, just to help these people and and learn a little bit more about what it's like to live in Skyloft and to live the kind of life that they have lived, like not knowing what's on the surface, you know, just recently discovering that there is a surface. It's very yeah. interesting. That on top of just kind of the history that you learn when you're on the surface in different places. So the third area is like where the Temple of Time is essentially and has the Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart-esque uh, mechanic of when you hit a big crystal, it like takes yeah. that area back and forth in time. It's a great dungeon. It's really really cool and it's so yeah. fun to talk to like the little miner guy they're like little uh little robots who like are digging out this mine it's so fun to talk to them uh just about what it's like to live in that mine and like live in that time period and stuff you know back when like the goddess existed it's like so cool it's really it's a really cool game with like a lot of like just really really interesting ideas all smashed together and you can you can see so much of the setup for what breath of the wild became just in terms of like how much writing can we give every character? Like we yeah. we really want every single person you meet to be special in some way. And that, that was one of my favorite things about Breath of the Wild. I mean, I just spent so much time running around Hyrule talking to people uh, and like taking selfies with them and stuff uh, <laughs> with the camera. And and I kind of want to do that in this game. It's It's more like... I haven't said this on the show in a while, but like it's it's like a game as vibe situation for me where as much as I'm enjoying like playing the Zelda side of it, I'm much more interested in just being there. It's kind of become like a comfort thing. Uh, That's kind of, I, I think, it. the strength of the 3D Zeldas over the top-down ones. I think the top-down ones tend to be more, like, gameplay-focused yeah. and the dungeon design and everything. Not that, I mean, there's a lot of character in all Zelda games, don't get me wrong. Especially, like, you know, Oracle and Minish Cap have a lot of that, like, 
you know, let's talk to random villagers and like find a kangaroo kind of energy mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. But I think the 3D ones like really do. I mean, starting in Ocarina even like, yeah, the sense of place is so strong in those games and, and your sense of like, I, I found that uh, a lot of my favorite Zelda games have some kind of like home base, or, like a sense of home somewhere mm. in Breath of the Wild. It's up to you to create that in sort of an open landscape, Terrytown, of course. Yeah. But I think you can also find that anywhere you choose. Like if you are someone who goes back to like Hateno Village a lot, that could be your home base. Totally. Uh, and Skyward Sword at Skyloft. In Ocarina, I always found it very interesting and disturbing that like your home is like kind of everywhere and then it all gets destroyed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or like it all gets corrupted in a way when you grow up and you have to like go back. That always like really lands strongly for me. This idea that like in a rush to grow up too quickly to be the hero you envision, you've like opened the door for the villain. Yeah. Ah, uh, chef kid. Hey, Ocarina of Time is a pretty cool game. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm really glad you're experiencing Skyward Sword again with this kind of new. I think it's kind of happening a lot. I think that like it doesn't seem like the things the game was initially criticized for are like gone like all those critiques stand very strongly but i think the strengths of the game are like shining a little brighter this time around with the re-release yeah I'll, I'll actually I'll link to a piece in the show notes from uh, Danielle Rando, who wrote a piece for Fanbyte. I think that was called something along the lines of like Skyward Sword is an incredible Zelda game with hostile controls. And it was essentially just like this game is really, really great. But there's like a huge hurdle you have to get over to start enjoying yeah. it. Um, and that's very much how I'm feeling is like my first three or four hours was only thinking about the different control schemes and switching <laughs> back and forth between them. And now that I've like gotten past that and kind of realized what I liked and what I didn't like, I, I, I've just kind of like turned my brain off and I've just kind of existed in this version of Hyrule and it's so wonderful oh man the story is great too it's really good I could talk about this game for a long time and I'm not going to I just wanted to give a quick update and say I'm liking it way more than I was liking it last week and I was already kind of liking it last week yeah I'm excited to go back I mean who knows maybe it'll be a bonus one day or something yeah I could see that but uh There'll be more Zelda content at some point in time. You you mentioned last week about the motion controls, how like this game came out like the year where like everyone, like not just Nintendo, like everyone was trying to give motion controls like one last chance. Yeah. And it, it, I think you said it accentuated the death of motion controls. Yeah. It really, I've been watching a lot of Kitchen Nightmares again for some reason, and it really <laughs> feels like when the chef refuses to accept Gordon's changes and they're like, no, 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 we're going to use the old menu tonight. Yeah. The microwave meat balls were going back to that that's like <laughs> i feel like there's like inescapable microwave meatballs like in the controls of skyward story yeah but everything else is amazing i do i mean i i just to i guess uh open this book again from last week but like i just wish that there had been th- that this was more than just like we're taking this game and putting in hd and like kind of forcing some button controls in here like i i don't think you would have really needed a radical rethinking of how the game works to remove some of the the motion control stuff like, you know, the game is all about swiping your sword in certain directions. And like, you could have still accomplished that without needing to, uh, you know, create this like really bizarre control scheme. Honestly, one of the biggest things that I've been thinking about recently is why they don't just switch what happens when you use the right stick and when you press the L button and use the right stick. Like, why is it that when I'm running around the world, not in combat, and I use the right stick, I pull out my sword and I start swiping around? Why is it not the default right stick motion is the camera and then I hold L yeah. when I'm in combat. Like, that makes way more sense to me. Also, are all the buttons being used? I feel like X could have been the sword, too. Like, Yeah, I don't know. And, and, <laughs> and like, look, it could... 
you could, I think, go back to a Twilight Princess uh, Wind Waker style of combat for this game. And like it would still be good, if not better, because it would just be faster. You know, like yeah, I, I think right. one, of, one of the drawbacks of this game that we mentioned last week and a lot of people mentioned like in the original reviews of this game is that it's like maybe like 50 percent longer than a Legend of Zelda game needs to be. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that kind of comes down to the very strange mechanics of combat, which I find satisfying at times. But there are some enemies that are like, you've just, you've blocked every hit. I, I'm not like, I'm, I'm not even using motion control. So I'm not like, you know, announcing the move I'm going to do by like holding my sword to the right before I swipe right. Like I'm using the motion controls. The link sword is just like chilling in the middle, but like you block every single hit that I do. And then I end up dying for some dumb reason. Like those moments of frustration, like they could have been sanded out. You know, I think this game needed a little bit more than just we're putting it on the switch. And that would have been a really wonderful package. Uh, and that that would yeah. be like a no caveats, like pick this game up and play it. It's just unfortunate that there is this like huge hurdle you have to go over when you're recommending it to people. I will say, I think the one time the combat structure really works is in the boss fights. Um, mm-hmm. The boss fights are, re- especially the duels with Girahim are a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, oh my and they're God. very tense. Yeah, uh, so good. Yeah. So like I might switch too because I, I, I found motion controls to be better in just general navigation, which kind of goes back to your point of like having to push L when you're out and about. Yeah. But the moment I got game over twice by a Skulltola because I couldn't thrust, I couldn't stab the. Yeah. That's when I'm like, I might, I might switch at this point. Yeah. It's very so, nice to just press the right stick in and then stab that way. It, yeah. It, that's, that's the one. That's like the directions are pretty solid, but the thrust motion like never reads. Yeah. I will say the the moment where I fully, fully, fully switched from motion controls to button controls forever is in the second dungeon. Uh, the boss there, I won't say much more than it requires you picking up bombs and rolling them down a hill. Like, oh, yeah, that's a fun one. In yeah. very specific angles. Uh, and that is horrible with motion controls. It's like <laughs> undo. That was the moment where I was like, I'm out. I'm out on this completely. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the game's been great ever since. So highly recommend it. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. I'm excited to go back. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's a good time. Love the music, love the vibe. I love Groose. I love the whole thing. Yeah. I'm very, very excited for Twilight Princess and Wind Waker to show up on the Switch. I'm just going to keep Me saying too, that man. out loud until it just happens. Uh, yeah, because we have a curse on the show. It could also be a, a gift. <laughs> oh my God. Did you see those leaks about Persona? Speaking of the curse of the show. I didn't. Oh, was it about the fighting game? Yeah. Persona 4 Arena is going to be the game on Switch <laughs> and not Persona 4 Golden. Hey, man. Get good at your combos. Ugh. I'm so um, upset. Yeah. That would, <laughs> if that's real, I mean, it might not be real. Who knows? I don't think I remember seeing that the site that leaked it is not like super okay reputable with leaks. Um, we'll see though. Who knows? It just, it There's just, like no way of predicting. It just feels like that's going to be the thing, though, right? <laughs> I don't. I don't think it is honestly because I feel like the mistake they would be more apt to make is making a new spinoff game rather than just releasing like one old one. Yeah. You know that feels kind of like exceptionally bizarre i mean this is also though coming from the company that put the spin-off like sequel to persona 5 on the switch but not persona 5 you know right but that was a new game that was like a new thing they made and put on it wasn't like here's this like 2007 spin-off yeah isolated from the rest <sighs> atlas 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 <laughs> We'll see what happens. I, I'm I'm pretty optimistic it will be Persona 4 Golden. And if it's this is like the litmus test of understanding like what people want, basically. Yeah. You know, Persona 4 Golden, like best selling game on Steam, or one of the best. Yeah. I think best RPG overnight. Uh sold more than it has sold before on either old system. I imagine they got the hint. 
So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> when do we find out? When's the day? I think it's September is the first one. Is it? I thought it was August. I think it's September to September is the, the slate of announcements. Oh, okay. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. You want to move on? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Brendan, we're back. I'm excited to talk about a new 2021 video game that's available on the Xboxes and Steam, but not Game Pass, surprisingly. Not Game Pass, yeah. Not Game Pass, which feels weird because I feel like this would be great on Game Pass and Switch, but alas, here we are. Death's Door, uh, developed by Acid Nerve, I believe, and published by Devolver Digital. Yes. Um, I have played probably like five hours of it, although I think that's a little bit lengthened because I have... I do my constant thing of leaving it on for the music uh, <laughs> while I like do household stuff, like yeah. cleaning the place. Because the whole game is apparently like 10 to 12 hours. It's yeah, a it's shorter short. game, which I, I really appreciate, actually. Yeah, it's a gift. It's a gift. And I've been really enjoying it. I know you played a little bit of it, so I'll probably do most of the talking. Yeah, I've only I've played, um, I guess just to be clear, I've played uh, maybe like an hour and a half, uh, most of which has been me being very frustrated because I'm super lost and I have no idea where to go. <laughs> more uh, of that in a second. I'm going to um, watch like a YouTube video and figure out where I need to go next because I am stuck, baby. Yeah. That's the reason I keep playing Skyward Sword. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. So yeah, Death Store is a... Promise to not roll your eyes when I describe this game, but it is a uh, Souls-like, Zelda-inspired, uh, look. Isometric action-adventure game? It is. And you know us. We're not ones to uh, poo-poo an idea. Uh, we are two people who made a video game podcast in 2018. We do not <laughs> believe in letting an oversaturated market hold you back from doing the thing you love. Mm -hmm. If you make Pikachu do a slam dunk, it's a new <laughs> take on the genre. I bring it up because we've talked a lot about like Souls likes in general, um, yeah. you know, and I think like it's really interesting that a game like Dark Souls could inspire what is arguably a genre. But we've often critiqued like the sort of misinterpretation of that, like a game that calls itself a Souls like and like what are they actually pulling from? Is it inspired by the design or is it just going blah and having uh, campfires and fog walls? Right. So I'm happy to report that Death Store is not a blah campfire fog walls imitator. Um, <laughs> but I do have a lot of thoughts about, like, I guess, sort of the genres it's pulling from and what it's really excelling at. But I really like this game. I'm really having a great time. Uh, the presentation is really beautiful. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like... Man, there's definitely some super giant DNA in here, especially with how the combat feels. Like you roll around and attack, and you have sort of like a Dark Souls uh, diamond of abilities to choose from. So you have a bow, eventually, you get like a fire spell. But it feels way more Zelda y and more almost like Hades esque in the combat yeah. than like the rolling and timing of Dark Souls. So basically, the game is you play as this little bird with a big red sword, uh, and you work for like a very sort of bureaucratic office that is the afterlife, essentially. It's fascinating to me that this is not the first time I've seen the afterlife personified as like a busy, boring office. Yeah. Um, really <laughs> interesting how that's like a go-to. But anyway, like immediately smitten by that, the game begins like you're a little bird. You walk through security. The bird at the security check is named Ball Plart. And like, he's like, yeah, you're fine. And you have a sword and like, it, like you walk through security and it's like warning signs that you have a sword. He like doesn't care. Yeah. He's a... Ball Plart Hall Cop, by the way. <laughs> the oh, name. excuse me. Sorry yeah. about that. It's great. Um, 
And uh, you eventually then go into this like busy office and uh, it seems that like it's all crows. Everyone's a crow here and you are a reaper Um, and it's your day job essentially to go out and harvest souls and then bring them back so they can open more doors. Uh, So doors are like their gateway into the mortal realm. Um, but they need souls to power the door. So it's kind of like this endless loop of like, we need more souls to open more doors to get more souls. Yeah. Uh, and no one working there seems to really know or care why they're doing it. There's like one crow who's like really eager to help out, but like more just to sort of climb the corporate ladder. Everyone else is sort of like burnt out or just sort of there, which like, I think it's very interesting and good satire to like take the usual droll ellipsis centric NPCs from Dark Souls and put them in a busy office. I, know, I was just like, about to say, I think I think it's yeah. a great choice. Yeah, yeah, it really works. Um, so that's really cool. The first thing you do is uh, I won't spoil anything here, but the first thing you do is you go out into the realm of the living. It's very. I want to put a pin in this because I have a point about this specific mechanic. But before you leave and go through the door to the mortal realm, there's a close up of a crow, and it says like, "When you leave." You will be mortal. You will age like everyone else and you can die. Uh, So don't die because it's a lot of paperwork for me. Uh, So you go out. um, There's sort of like an asylum demon-esque boss that you fight that sort of like teaches you the mechanics. I'll say this. I I have a lot to say about the Dark Souls inspiration here. It's not especially hard. I don't I don't I mean that's very subjective. I think that like what games are hard or not for people. There's a myriad of reasons why. So I'm not going to make any blanket statements. But from my experience, like I would say Hollow Knight is like significantly harder than this is. Like this is like a little bit more accessible in some ways. Yeah, I f- I feel like the game is wearing a soul's inspiration on its sleeve, but really just feels to me more like what if top down Zelda took combat more seriously? And like that, yeah. that's actually that's actually kind of as far as it goes. It's like it's it's just a little bit harder than a top down Zelda game would be these days, I think. Um, yeah. But but doesn't feel like it has any kind of like crushing difficulty, even though a lot of the like art direction and stuff would signify otherwise. Yeah, I feel like it's it's it, I, I completely agree. Like there's definitely a lot of Hollow Knight and Dark Souls stuff going on, but like. And I actually think that that's for the better. I don't need like I another. Yeah. Like, I, I think for what this game is going for and for the length of the game, I think that the difficulty feels good. Yeah. One of the visual simula- uh, similarities it has uh, that, that I have a hard time not thinking about all the time is uh, the, the crow's sword looks exactly like the sword from Hyper Light Drifter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, like kind of top down isometric action combat game where you're like running around kind of a decrepit wasteland and, and doing like Zelda dungeon stuff, uh, you know, kind of similar vibes. But specifically Death's Door, I think, feels closer to what I was hoping Hyper Light Drifter would feel like. Because mm. Hyper Light Drifter, as much as I love everything about that game from like an aesthetic perspective, I found it way too difficult. Um, yeah. It's a game that I like really, really, really wish had more accessibility controls or something that I could turn on so I could finally get through it. Because I, I think it's a really wonderful world and a really wonderful presentation. But I just like cannot finish that game. It's so hard. Um, and Death Store feels immediately more welcoming to me, yeah, uh, which I, I appreciate. I like the way the combat works. It's it's pretty fast. Uh, I've seen comparisons to Bastion as well, which I would agree with. Like it has that sort of like 
almost bullet hell at times uh thing going on and just the yeah. way the enemies like summon into the arena it feels like a super giant game in a good way um also like really good music the soundtrack in this game the reason i've left it on is yeah. the music is incredible the music might be the best thing in the game which like i yeah. I, I don't want to use that <laughs> as a way to like put down the other aspects of it but like the music is so far and beyond everything else that's happening it's like shocking when these big orchestral swells come in it's like oh fuck oh yeah. shit yeah uh, uh, it's, it's great so basically when you beat the first boss you get kind of knocked out and your soul is taken from you not your soul but the soul you were assigned to reap right is is snatched from you from a big crow big old crow yeah uh and then they're like, oh, shit, well, that's not good. You got to go and get that back. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to be a lot of paperwork. So then you go into an area that feels very much like an undead Berg uh, setting. like, mm-hmm. And you meet a couple characters. There's a character who's like really right out of Sekiro who like wants to die but can't. Uh, and <laughs> it's actually kind of a funny tutorial because he's like, hmm. I'm still alive. Can you hit me again and try this this time? And like, yeah. he's teaching you some moves. Teaches you like power moves, essentially. Yeah. I imagine this is where you're lost because the game yes. makes a baffling decision to not give you a map, which like, I understand the intention conceptually of like, oh, we want you to explore and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it doesn't pay off at all because that setting is actually the one area in the game like the other areas i've been to feel very like well designed in their pacing they feel like zelda dungeons so it's much easier to grasp like where you've been and where you're gonna go and there's that thrill of like oh i pulled a lever and now the ladder went down there and i have an easier way to get back to where i was yeah but in that area it's very hard to distinguish what is what and they just tell you they have the gall to be like go west it's like dude i don't have a comp what is west yeah i've like it it's it's really not great like i think having a mini map or any map like even if it's not like even if you still want to make the player work for it just having nothing in a game like this is really not good yeah it's interesting because they have literal actual signposts like pointing in certain directions that you're supposed to go in and then you go and it's a dead end or like you go and it's a gate that you can't open until you get like further in somewhere else i died at a certain point while traversing that area and then had to spawn back to all the way to the beginning like uh, the door that you walk out of when you leave the bureau initially and was so lost and just wandered around for like i don't know 20 minutes and then i was like eh, I'm, I'm not making any progress i put the game down i was like i'll come back to it in a couple days and i went and played more zelda played pokemon unite finished scarlet <laughs> nexus uh and then i was like okay it's it's time to come back like i want to talk about death's door this week for the show like i'm gonna sit down and it was another like 30 to 40 minutes of being lost in that first area and i was like dude i'm out <laughs> like i'm yeah. out for now like yeah, I'll, I'll i'm me. gonna watch a youtube video I'll, I'll come back later i stumbled into the summit where you meet the big crow again mm. and he basically reveals that this realm a lot of uh the inhabitants here have lived longer than they should. And there's like kind of like death is sort of like not operating as it should be. And there's a big lock in front of him that is the death store. And uh, uh-huh. he thought that the soul he stole from me would be enough to open it to like bring order back to this sort of like out of rhythm realm. Uh, but it wasn't. But he was like, maybe you know, with your youth and energy, you can go and uh, there are three giants souls that if you get those, we might be able to open the door. Uh. And at this point, you can actually I think you can go in any direction, but you can ask him for his advice. And he tells you, like, go north uh, to the Urn Witch's mansion. And that dungeon rules that like 
setting and that idea is really fun. Uh, the witch is a character who is trying to outwit death by replacing everyone's heads with pots. So they aren't like registered in the paperwork. <laughs> and she basically like, it's funny, but it's also kind of tragic. because She's not really like, she's become a villain by her own obsession with like preserving her and her family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like her mansion is full of vases that even when you break the vases, they reform like seconds after, which actually mm. has a gameplay function because whenever you hit something, you get more uh, ammo for your bow. Or Oh, yeah. So really like really good level design, really fun dungeon. And the fact that the game is like three or four dungeons and like that's a wrap, like that's a really like well paced game. Mm. The combat's really fun. The puzzles are really rewarding. Like you said, it's mostly Zelda, and and I think the Dark Souls stuff is mostly in the plot's interest of like death and the various interpretations of like how to handle that concept. So like mm. with the three giants, you have the witch who's trying to outwit death. You have a king who is like sort of corrupt with his immortality and has like, you know, appointed himself ruler of this realm and is being yeah. awful. And then you just have a beast who has like no desire or will. It's just like, you know, going wild. I haven't mm. met the beast or the king yet. I'm in the king's area now. It's like a really lush forest. That's another thing that's surprising. Based on the the realm of the dead or whatever, where like you work and it's like the office environment, it's completely monochromatic except for a couple things like your sword is red as you plant seeds which like spawn like the healing item there are little like forest spirits that pop up that are yeah. a different color i also like that idea a lot that they've like placed on the map where you can heal and like when you plant a seed there when you go back to that area it will have regrown and there's something very interesting thematically with like this game it's all about death like there is this cycle of life and death with like planting and taking the fruit and coming back yeah so that's really cool and like there's a character you meet in the witch's mansion who is named pothead who's just sigmire like straight up like he's got a big <laughs> pot for a head yeah full of soup and i Great. actually really liked that character and that interaction so like the game is very well done and i i brought up the uh earlier i said like don't roll your eyes at the genre because like it's worth recognizing how many games are like going for this style yes i think it's a testament to the game's strength that it's like as good as it is and feels as fresh as it does even when it's within this genre yeah. But at the same time, I feel like it's weirdly also holding it back because I'm like, it's doing it really well, but there isn't like, and I don't, I don't know if it's fair to compare anything to Hollow Knight, but Hollow Knight felt like a next step for, for a game inspired by. It felt like it was inspired by something and wasn't living within it. Yeah. The thing about Death Store that's really kind of ironic is that like for a game that's so successfully tackling characters approaches to death you know refusing it avoiding it trying to conquer it the character who's trying to accept it but he can't get it like, that's really cool but it's so heavily announced like when you die like oh you're mortal now and nothing happens like, there's really no penalty for dying yeah you just walk out of the door again you just respawn other than having to backtrack and like the backtracking isn't a pain point within the dungeons because the doors are placed well enough but it's still like there's no benefit to that if you're if you're going for a souls like game dark souls stopped doing the backtracking after the first game like that's not like a piece <laughs> of the formula it just happened by accident you know i i never the way the environments are structured i'm never like oh a new thing because like there is that element to like bloodborne or even the first dark souls where like you backtrack enough you might choose to go down a different path or you might like actually stumble into an npc there isn't really that here so that like potential payoff doesn't really exist 
So that's like my my biggest complaint is like I don't know if I would have wanted them to have any consequence for dying. And maybe there is that I'm I'm not aware of, but like what's weird is that when you respawn, like you get souls when you defeat enemies and you see the number like move, but it doesn't go down or up. It's the same. So like Oh, interesting. I'm I'm just very confused. I, I feel like the idea of the protagonist dying, I feel like should have more weight or should be something like even uh, do the Hades approach. Like when you go back to the office, it's maybe different or new dialogue. There doesn't seem to be anything different either. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. like that seems like a missed opportunity. That being said, like I played it a lot. I'm really enjoying it. I think the game feels really good. The presentation is great. There's a cool story happening. I've seen it described a lot as a satire of Dark Souls. I don't know if I would really agree with that. I would say it's more of an homage than satire because like you know i don't know if it's really like poking fun at the genre as much as it's with existing within it yeah i think it's just looking at the same thematic concepts but through the lens of comedy instead of melancholy you know which is exactly like that doesn't mean it's satire it just it just is a different way of going about the same concepts, the same ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it depends on how you define satire. Cause I feel like really good satire usually is kind of an homage as well as a deconstruction. Yeah. But I think sometimes it gets used in place of parody. And like, this is not a parody. It's not like a, yeah. the, the, the goofiest thing that happens, which actually is a great scene is when you meet the Lord of doors and he has a coffee cup that says world's best Lord on it. <laughs> um, like that's amazing. And that almost like, I like the kind of like almost Tim Schafer-y element elements of the game yeah i almost wish they had more of that because i think that 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 is what keeps it from feeling derivative but it's it's a really good time i think it's also like 20 bucks would recommend it i think it's fun i think if you like this type of game it's a good time but i also think there is unfortunately and this is unfair but i think there is pressure on this genre to like step outside of, of the conventions a bit to stand out i agree i mean if i'm if i'm being totally honest my first impression when i saw this game was like oh this looks like a souls inspired zelda kind of game with a hyper light drifter sword like it's all it's it's just like a mashup of things i've seen before and and it was going to take a lot for me to kind of get over that hump and like maybe even check it out and then I saw a lot of like reviews and conversations that were like, no, 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 this is really something special. You should check it out. And I, I understand that I'm very early on. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm yeah. not even in the first dungeon yet, but I, I kind of still feel that way having played it. Like outside of the music being really great and like the combat's pretty good. Like I just I, I do feel like it's kind of stuff I've experienced before and not really approaching it in in a way that's like fresh enough for me to be like, yes, this is like a must play, you know, sure. Um, yeah, which I'm ho- I'm hoping that I, you know, get over that that hump. Eventually, I'm hoping that the further in I get once I get past this area that I'm like, just hopelessly lost in, I'll have a better time with it. Because I do I do really like all the NPCs I've met. Like, I, I, I yeah. agree with you that like this, this concept of, you know, uh, even like an afterlife that is, uh, you know, bureaucratic office space, like is like fun and cute, but also is something that I've seen a whole bunch before. Like, yeah, I in Hades. Yeah, in (laughs) Hades, which is like, maybe I just want to go play Hades again. You know, like maybe I just want to dip back into Hades. That's kind that's kind of what I'm feeling. It's like, oh, this is hyper light drifter, but better. This is Hades, but not as good. Like I and I hate talking about it in that way, but it's in conversation with all of those elements in all of those other games. Like it's so clearly it's wearing all that stuff on its sleeve. It's so clearly inspired by it. You can't help but like spend your whole time playing it in like comparison mode, at least for me. And I'm I'm really hoping that as I give it more time, I, I kind of like figure out what its identity is. Um, and, yeah. And, and, and I want it to be more communicative about what that is uh, in gameplay. I would say definitely like get to the witch's mansion. Yeah. And like see how you feel then. 
So that's where the game really started to land for me and I like couldn't put it down. That being said, I think that like I don't think this game is going to like take any big steps for this genre, but I think it's a really, really solid entry within it. So mm-hmm. like there's a place for that too. I think that like we're talking from the perspective of people who play like a lot of, like <laughs> and this is not like a we know video like our palette. I'm not saying that. Like we just play a lot of shit. So like the pain points of similarity are much more noticeable for us, I think, because yeah. like it's like, OK, well, we already have all these other things. So we've already experienced all these other things. If you're someone who like, you know, like maybe hasn't played all these reference points, you might have an incredible time. And this might be like your formative experience with it. It's a great which point. Is great. Yeah. Um, and I think also like the fact that it's a little bit easier and it's also like not a super long game. I think those are actually two really standout points in its favor, which sounds insulting that it's like it's not hard. It's not too long. But like there's. A, there's a huge place for that especially within this genre like yeah. i love hollow knight but i i don't know if i'll ever beat it <laughs> you know like i i have a lot of i have a lot of drive in my ability to play games there's something about hollow knight that just destroys me yeah and I, that's I, me with hyper light drifter i yeah, mean I, right. I feel the same it's like a game right. that i so desperately want to love i backed it on kickstarter i mean the credits of hyper light drifter <laughs> i've never finished it because it's too difficult i just, just I, has- I just can't get a handle on it <laughs> Coward, Brendan Bigley. <laughs> no thanks to this coward. Brendan Bigley, the defeated. Yeah. Again, I I, I, I do want to highlight that like I am really enjoying this. It's also like I, I think it's nice that it's also like a little bit cheaper too. So like this is this is probably now that I think about it, now that I've said that out loud, I think this might also be a good entry point to like these types of games. You yeah. know, because like we're coming from the angle of like having done it before. But if you haven't played Hollow Knight or you know, even some of the top down Zeldas, this could be a fun entry point. Yeah. So that's Death's Door. It's only available on Xbox and PC at the moment. Yeah. I'm hoping it comes to more. I mean, it seems to be doing pretty well. So I, I'm hoping for a Switch port or a Game Pass. But yeah, I'm curious why those platforms specifically. It, it seems interesting. I will say on I don't know if you've noticed this, but on the Series S, like there are definitely some like graphical hitches that happen every once in a while. Um, And I, I saw some footage from the series x as well and from the steam version just because i was curious and like i also saw it there and i'm wondering if it's like taxing the the uh cpus in ways that i'm not like huh really clocking but i've noticed every once in a while as i'm like running through it's never in combat which i find very interesting it's always as i'm like running through an environment or like climbing a ladder or something i'll see like all the flames just like freeze for a second and then come back uh for like a split second it's it, again this is a thing that we talk about all the time but like you and i are not frame rate people or whatever but i i just i notice it i note and the fact that i'm noticing it means that like there's definitely something going on and i wonder if that's why it's like not on switch for example it's like maybe oh, there is maybe. something going on here that's like pushing the hardware in ways that you know i i, I can't really perceive yeah, I haven't had that issue, but I do wonder if it's like maybe a little bit too much for the Switch, especially given the speed that's required for like movement and combat and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good game. That's Death's Door. That's Death's Door, baby. I'm trying to say the name of the games more frequently when we're done with the segment. Oh, okay. That's Death's Door. That's, that's Pokemon Unite. That's Skyward Sword. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Gaming. Now this is pod racing. Yeah, that's Gossip Girl. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so should we wrap up yeah what what else we got going on i think by the time this episode is out our um patron bonus will be out the our q a episode which is exciting yeah that's exciting that was uh, another long one for the patrons we yeah. we didn't yeah. expect it to go that long but i think it was a fun time yeah that's always how it works we sit down and we're like oh this will be a short one and then it's you know an hour and a half longer than we think it's gonna be uh 
we have our Scarlet Nexus bonus uh, coming out soon too. I think that might be next week because July is almost over. So yeah. uh, if not early August, but that should come out on time. I don't think that will be a long one, but again, it's uh, the two of us here. Yeah, yeah. Brevity have, is no not idea. our strong point. <laughs> no yeah. idea what to anticipate with that one. Um, I will say, I'll just say this, uh, you know, outside of that episode, but I, I rapped on that game this week uh, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, uh, it's a great time. I would recommend I'm excited it. to talk about it. Yeah. That will be like mostly, I think if you want to hear our thoughts on the game, I think we've kind of covered that in the last two episodes about it. Uh brain punk brain glam and uh think maybe another one recently i forgot i'm sorry yeah. um i mean i'm losing my losing my touch i used i used to know them all 10th floor daddy i think maybe <laughs> it's as if his names even help it's like not, <laughs> not a good point of reference um yeah if you want to hear what we thought about that game you can hear it in those episodes i think the bonus We'll definitely touch on that again, but I think it will be kind of spoiler centric so we can like talk through the story a little bit and yeah. uh, make sense of it. Next month is exciting because we're doing our Mass Effect bonus. Should we announce who is joining us? Or should we wait on that too? Let's wait until it's August. Okay. Let's wait until Leo season's really here, you know? Absolutely. Uh, but that's exciting. I'm really excited to finish Mass Effect 3 again and talk about the whole trilogy. That was something that felt so like cosmically important. And then I had to move on. I'm excited to go back. Yeah, me too. Uh, what else? What else? What else is going on? There's some cool games coming out next week, I think. Or at least the day before. Uh, there's some games that are already out for you, dear listener. I think Microsoft Flight Sim is out so on amped. Xbox. Yeah, that's in, I think, like two or three days. <laughs> yeah, there are a few other things coming out that day. I have it in my calendar. Yeah, that's July um, 27th. Uh, the World Ends With You sequel is coming out oh, on yeah. the 27th as well, along with the great Ace Attorney Chronicles. That's what it is. Herlock Sholmes is here. Yeah, uh, man, so much stuff. That's cool. I think we do have a little bit of a slower period in like August. So I think it'll be like a fun month to like catch up on some stuff or maybe do some retro episodes but uh yeah in like october then we're back into like here's a new metroid here's the new this yeah there is a, there's a really interesting game that i'm excited to play coming out this month uh next week i guess or the week that this episode comes out um it's called the forgotten city which is uh, a full release version of a mod from skyrim oh yeah yeah i, I know the forgotten city i haven't yeah. played it but i remember you talked about it yeah. uh so for the listener, there was there was a mod called the Forgotten City or the Lost City or something like that for Skyrim that was like an award winning like narrative experience, uh, like a side quest that they added that was like, you know, very long. It was a very long side quest in Skyrim that had like all new voice acting, new areas, whatever. It was this like big, expansive time travel story. And it was like so good that the developers were like, why don't we just like break this out of Skyrim and like make our own game and use this story because it's our thing. Um, and they made that into a full standalone alone game oh, that's um, so cool that takes place like i think during the roman empire um it's about like a person who like stumbles into like a time traveling city situation in the roman empire that i'm very excited about it's like all platforms can be on like ps4 ps5 xboxes whatever so i've never played the forgotten city i've never i never downloaded it because i when i first learned about it i heard that they were spinning it off into a standalone thing i was like i'll just wait for that to come out and that's next week so that'll probably be like Outside of Microsoft Flight Simulator, the game I check out next week. Yeah, I'll probably get The World Ends With You, I think, as well. But we'll see how that goes. I'm like very, like, I really liked the first one. I played it a little bit after the fact. We talked about it last summer, I think. Yeah. But I played it on the Switch. And I actually got a lot of people uh, who reached out to me after that were like, please play it on the DS. So 
Yeah. I will eventually, but it'll also be nice to play this game that's like native to the Switch, you know, without having to like make makeshift motion controls. It's so funny how the Switch's motion controls are there just in just in case. <laughs> it's like having a backup dial up router, like just in case we need it. It's yeah. Here. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited to see how that game is. I'm like kind of cautiously excited because like there hasn't really been like a ton of marketing for it, weirdly. But you know, who knows why? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they didn't show it during E3 during their own press conference, which was really strange. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't bode well, but, you know, may, I don't know. Maybe it'll be a surprise. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. And then Herlock Sholmes will enter our lives, whether we like it or not. So <laughs> that's the that's the horizon. Um, yeah. Cool, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you like the show, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. Share it with a friend. Big another big thanks to all our patrons. We've seen like another I guess, bump in support. It's wild. It means a lot. Thank you. Uh, as always, if backing the show puts you in any financial strain, please do not. But by backing the show, you get access to our monthly patron bonuses. Uh, next month, we're going to do one with AJ that's kind of about the making of the show. So it'll be a little bit of a, like, in the weeds, more technical episode of, like, how we make it, if that's of interest to you. You know, I think we've had enough people reach out about, like, what mics do you use? Like, what's the recording process? How do you, you know, make chapters in the show notes so like we're gonna yeah. go into all of that we actually got some during the q a uh, episode that we did this month we actually got some questions about the making of the show so if you if you ask a question about like the background on how the show gets made uh we actually just took those questions and bottled them up and we're gonna answer them during the next one also i think we're like always open to like sharing that process if you're curious so it won't be like gated just for patrons but that episode you know will be like a informal conversation about it with aj yeah it just seemed like a fun thing to do that like yeah would be yeah. I don't know, hard to fit into like our normal structure, uh, right, which is kind right. of exactly what we want to do with the Patreon. Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. I think I might want to stream a little bit more Guilty Gear soon. I've gotten extremely better at it, so <laughs> I want to show that off. Yeah. Uh, you and yeah. I streamed Pokemon Unite yesterday, uh, kind of impromptu, it's which was fun. Of fun. Uh, yeah. I, I had been thinking about streaming it, and then you texted me like right when you woke up. You're like, I think I'm going to stream Pokemon Unite this morning. So we hopped on and did we that did together, together, which was fun. I mean, we got like rocked, and then we won, and then we got rocked again. Uh, you know, that's, that's how it goes. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. That's how it goes with Guilty Gear, too. I talk a big game, and then I get like completely destroyed, and then I pick it back up. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's just how it goes with those games. I, I could see myself streaming more Pokemon Unite, though, um, at least until I hit that aforementioned wall. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Look forward to more streaming stuff. Yeah, I think I think I'd like to do it a little bit more consistently. As always, in eight months. No, I'm kidding. I was gonna plug my Nuzlocke of Indie again, but I'm like, people know. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was gonna say, and then uh, Spooky Season also. Oh my God! Yeah, I'm, I've been the putting other, the off. other constant reminder. <laughs> yeah, man, I've got it all planned out. Uh, it's gonna be so much fun. I'm gonna finally play Resident Evil Village. I've been like really holding back getting Dude, it. Dude, yeah, that that I think for that season. I think you. I I, th I think I've said this before, but I think you and I are gonna play that. And we're gonna be upset that we didn't play it earlier. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's gonna be one of those situations where it's like, man, I could have had this experience in March. Yeah, but like. Come on, it's going to be in October. It'll be so much better. It'll be yeah, so much more seasonal. You're probably right. Yeah. You want to drink a stout in the summer? Like, no, you got to yeah. have it when it belongs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I also, uh, I got Doki Doki Literature Club on Switch. It's another one that I'm excited to finally play Same. in October. Um, oh, Another one that I have not played that like I think will be an exciting time is Dead Space. I've never played Dead Space, and I'm going to play the first one in October. You're not going to wait for the remaster? Oh, is there a remaster coming out? <laughs> yeah, the, the I big, don't I don't follow anything. The, the, the big yeah, guy. that was the big EA announcement this week. Was that they're, 
that they had the whole E3 stream and it was the end of it was they're remastering the first uh, Dead Space. It's actually a remake. It's like a full like round up. Remake oh, interesting. Well, that then it I... apparently incorporates like a bunch of stuff from two and three also, which uh, well, seems great. But although people in the discord, when they announced it, they were like, you could just just like go play the original. Like it still looks great. Uh, and it's yeah, on Game the first Pass. one's on Game Pass. Right. So yeah. that's where I'm going to play it. Who cares about the remake? I want the original. Yeah, I've played the first Dead Space and I have no memory of it. Like, I know I played it. I remember <laughs> yeah. it's in my Steam library. Like, I played the game. I have no recollection of how it works, really. Uh, so I'm excited to check that out. Yeah, but Village, Village and Doki Doki are the big ones. Yeah. Uh, so, cool, man. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. Into the yeah. cast online. Goodbye. We love you. Yeah, I'm going to go take a nap and then we're going to record Scarlet Nexus. A little background info for you, dear listener. Yeah, I'm going to go get a haircut and then we're recording. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to get a haircut. So you look your best for Kasane and Yuito. I got to be brain punk for the recording session. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get a mohawk, but like only with your sideburn. That feels brain punk to me. Do you want to get a haircut or do you want to buy Mr. Mime three times? (laughs) Bye-bye.